Hello, celestial citizens. I'm Britt Duffy Adkins, and welcome to Continuum. The universe is expanding, and so is the space industry. With all the new developments, announcements, and launches, it can be a lot to keep up with. So we're here to help. Continuum is a news outlet that's making space news relevant for the next generation and boldly challenging the status quo. Whether it's new discoveries and developments in technology or how what we are doing in space affects us here on Earth, we'll cover it all. You can find our stories on our website, continuum-hq.com, and in our newsletter, which comes out every other week. Not only does our newsletter include links to our original features, but it also contains a rundown of some of the top headlines from the week, as well as recommended space reads from around the web. You can find links to our website and how to subscribe to our newsletter in the episode description. Whether you're a space enthusiast or just starting to look up at the stars, we'll take the highlights from the week and share them for you here. We are the outlet providing space news for everyone. So without further ado, here's Continuum. And of course, today we are joined by none other than AJ Link. AJ, great to have you back as co-host. Thanks for having me back. I feel honored that I didn't ruin it the first time. No, no, you definitely did not. And it was our sort of inaugural episode back after a hiatus. And I really enjoyed our conversation. But perhaps for folks who didn't catch our episode, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself so the listeners know what you're all about? I'm AJ Link. I do lots of different space stuff. I teach space law at Howard University. I'm part of the Center for Air and Space Law at the University of Mississippi School of Law. I do things with Astro Access, which is a cool group you should check out. I help with Black and Astro, which is doing a lot of great stuff. I'm sure I'll forget something. I'm part of the Just Space Alliance Board, which is super cool, super excited about that gig. I'm happy to chat with anyone about space. They can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter. So AJ, well, thank you so much for being here. And as a reminder, if you're listening to this, that means that not only are you a subscriber of Continuum, but you're also a paid subscriber. So thank you very much for your contribution and helping our team keep going and keep bringing the space news out to the world. Our newsletter is free, but this podcast is for paid subscribers, at least upon its initial release. All right, so AJ, let's jump right in here. One of the first exciting announcements, NASA has come forward to say that NASA and DARPA will build a nuclear rocket by 2027. And this was pretty exciting because creating this sort of advanced technology could prove to be really revolutionary for the future of human spaceflight missions and being able to send humans out further and faster into space. What are your initial thoughts on this announcement? It's amazing. I think it's really important in terms of the long-term sustainability of space operations, space travel, potentially long-term human space exploration. My only caveat is that it's through the Pentagon and the Department of Defense, uh, you know, so who knows what that'll lead to. But I think overall, it's a good thing to start moving towards more sustainable fuel sources and power sources for space. 
nuclear rockets have sort of been this exciting vision for the future for a while. But what was interesting that the article mentioned is that NASA's nuclear engine for rocket vehicle application or NERVA program actually sought to launch a crewed Mars mission using a nuclear rocket back in 1979. But in fact, the program was canceled in 1972 due to budget cuts, which was probably a major part of that, but also worries of escalating the Cold War. What's interesting to me about that now is I also know there was, you know, a headline that came out recently about, you know, we're inching closer to midnight on the doomsday clock. And so it doesn't really feel like this would be a de-escalation. So it's interesting that that's not a little bit more of a concern at this point in time. I'm with you. I think this is like the sustainable path forward. But there are, of course, those geopolitical concerns that go along with it that to me at least it doesn't exactly feel like we're in a very peaceful time so I'm a little concerned about how this will be viewed on the global stage I think for me I'm not as concerned from a doomsday clock scenario we live in a world where any person that has enough power to launch a nuclear strike I would hope has the foresight to realize that that's just not going to work out for anyone and that we use this technology to be more sustainable and to do more experimentation. And when it comes to space exploration, I'm thinking about the Oppenheimer movie that's coming out and just how far we've come in terms of realizing that it's super duper bad to use these things for war and destruction. I, I don't think I'm as concerned, but I definitely do have reservations about the ties to the Pentagon Department of Defense when creating these space exploration vehicles and engines. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I hope we can all be adults and recognize that, or I don't know, maybe we're living in this time period where like Gen Z and, you know, the kids are the ones who are more sensible. So I don't know, hopefully the kids in the room can actually figure out how to get this done where we're just able to use it as a great tool for sustainable exploration and science and research. And of course, down the road, a cleaner source of energy as well. But that is definitely an exciting headline. Let's jump over to another one. So Blue Origin announced that they are going to be flying an all-female crew to suborbital space. And the crew is going to be led by Lauren Sanchez, who I'm going to go ahead and call as an American media personality because I hate how she's described in most articles as the girlfriend of Jeff Bezos. What do you think about this plan from Blue? One of my immediate thoughts reading the article, and representation is important, but this seems almost a bit forced in that PR sense where it's like... You probably could have just done it. Not that it's wrong, right? Not that it's bad. We always want to support mm -hmm. women in space. Nevertheless, she walked on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little shout out to our clubhouse room circa 2021. Those who know, know. Yeah, I've, I've got my shirt. Yeah, we still sell the Nevertheless, She Walked on the Moon shirts on our merch site. So if you are looking for a creative way to support Celestial Citizen, uh, you can check them out. But anyway, thanks for that plug, AJ. And to your point... Um, especially with the way the media has framed it, it's really sexist, right? Mm -hmm. And it seems patronizing and paternalistic. And I don't know, just the whole story is gross to me in a way that it shouldn't be because it should be a lot more positive. It's tough. Now, I also recognize 
that like there's probably no way that they could have announced that essentially like another joyride was happening, right? I mean, oh gosh, I'm really going to dig myself in it this week. The fact that they're sending Lauren up doesn't look great. So I think that they had to find a way to make this look a little bit better. I also think it's strange that they announced it, but yet they didn't announce who the other people were. Yeah, I was thinking that too from a PR perspective. I think it would have been better to build up the momentum and pick people, not saying that it's going to be an all them presenting crew, but then mm-hmm. people realize it and that generates the organic buzz, right? And you announce Lauren last as the last person instead yeah. of the first person. Yeah. And I know that this is a very space niche critique, but I hate how outside media presents this as like one of the first things that ever happened when like Valentina Tereshkova did this like 60 years ago now. Yeah. It's frustrating as someone who works within the space industry, seeing the lack of space knowledge historically and currently from non-space media and how it kind of gets swept up into this storm. And again, it's just, it turns into ew for me. It gives me the ick, as the kids would say. I totally agree with you. And I think that's something like A Space for Humanity where like it's actually interesting, feels like they're selecting civilians that are able to really passionately communicate with their followings and communities and things like that. To me, that just feels a little bit more natural than this. It boils down to really just the PR strategy is just not there. They seem to really be just unaware of how these things are going to land. Whereas Inspiration4, I think that seeing Dr. Siam Proctor going up or Haley Arsenault, I hope I said that right, that to me was more exciting. Or even like Wally Funk on one of the first Blue missions, that was exciting to me. But again, it's just like most of the time, I'd say that their messaging just doesn't land for me. Yeah. And I don't want to take any power agency away from Lauren, right? I think she was definitely part of this decision. She definitely had to okay it. It's just, it feels like the critiques that you hear of DEI, that it's tokenism and it's all for show, those things seem really true in this situation. And it's frustrating as someone who champions getting more women into space, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, things like Space Prize, which are doing amazing work. And it's just like, uh, you're taking away from it. You're taking away from it, not adding to it. And I think that was the frustrating part for me. The other question I have They previously wanted to send Pete Davidson to space. Okay, whatever. I mean, I'm not going to come down on Pete Davidson. He's going to space. He's very funny. I find him very enjoyably comedic. What's confusing to me about that situation was that then it was a scheduling issue, right? Or was it? I don't know. But, you know, that he couldn't go up. And it seems to me like how do they not have it figured out where like they're able to like fully say this is who's going up. And it doesn't even feel like an intentional we're holding back this information because it's going to be a big reveal. To me, it just feels like we haven't figured it out yet, but we've announced the mission. Yeah, the whole thing's just weird. And to your point about space being dangerous, that's a whole nother thing with like the last time you sent up a rocket, it wasn't successful, but now you want to put your current partner in that same type of launch vehicle 
maybe it's a show of faith in the vehicle and being like, oh my God, <laughs> do you think that's the reason? Do you think maybe that's the reason is like, he's like, I'm real confident. You know, maybe it's like one of those things where like, I will throw the knives at my kids because I'm so confident in my knife throwing. But I don't know. I don't know. But that's just another layer of like, oh my gosh, that's a I weird thing to sign up. Like a cold sweat. That panics me. <laughs> that's a weird thing to sign up for, right? So yeah, just the whole thing is very odd. I want to support women going to space. I honestly have nothing against Lauren Sanchez. I think it's great if she wants to go to space. I think that it's very fortunate that she's in a position where she's able to do that. But at the end of the day, something about it doesn't feel quite right. Maybe we should move on. Let's see. Another thing that we were going to talk about here is Starshield. SpaceX basically just came out and announced that they are looking to support government entities and support national security, which I'm assuming that largely means U.S. national security and maybe, I don't know, some others, but I'm assuming the U.S. is their major client. And basically, this is going to be like Starlink, but for government use. What are your thoughts, AJ? All kinds of angry faces and fist shaking and it's just the militarization of space and how much government money is propping up SpaceX at this point? Do we really have a private space industry or do we have a quasi-private government entity, you know, being propped up as we're this great commercialization of space state. The whole thing is just really weird to me. And it's getting to the point where it's like, I think SpaceX is just DOD. (laughs) Is SpaceX too big to fail? I would say at this point, right, how many contracts does SpaceX have with NASA, with DOD? I don't even know where else, right? And seems like the whole idea that we're just going to have bunch of cool space companies blow up was half of a lie, right? Because there are incredibly cool space organizations, especially space nonprofits, which need more support, but they're not getting the billions of defense dollars. Where are they getting the support? I don't really personally feel like the most innovative path forward or the most innovative use of dollars is continuing to perpetuate this model of, okay, great, you're a space company, go out and get those government contracts because that's the only way you're going to survive. That's the only way you're going to grow. I mean, yes, it's more difficult to go about it other ways because you have to try to close some business case that's not dependent on government contracts. But at the same time, if we don't figure that piece of it out, then I don't really see a sustainable industry moving forward. If even the most early stage investors are putting dollars towards SpaceX that is like, you know, very fully backed by like DOD, NASA, like all these contracts that it has, then where is the money for all those people that you were just mentioning, right? So I think that that's definitely something that we're going to have to think about I mean, I've literally been at conferences and like some guy will stand up in the audience and be like, Elon, will figure it out. Oh, yeah. I don't want to get too much into it. We'll talk about the space things. But also, I don't like the idea of someone who hates the government and belittles <laughs> people who need government assistance getting billions of government dollars. <laughs> like, that yes, also doesn't I, sit I'm... right with me. You know what, AJ? That's such a great point that you just brought up. That's such a great point. It's like total hypocrisy. Well, we are not going to have a lot of friends after this. Good thing you have to be a paid subscriber because only like the deep cut fans are going to be listening to this conversation. So great. I know we've been on this for a little while, but I also think circling back to outside 
media and non-space folks, there's this aura of the space savior. Most people are like, and eh, well, there's actually a lot other cooler stuff and a lot cooler people who I actually vibe with. And if I don't like them as a person, I don't hate them as a person. And it's just mm-hmm. the space industry is rewarding the absolute worst people. It just seems that way. That may not actually be true, but something that I like to talk about, you know, when I'm doing my other work is put your money where your values are. And where's the US government putting their money? Right? Where's the space industry putting their money? No, that's a great point and a great segue to where we can thank our sponsors from our gold sponsor, Multiverse Media. We are currently witnessing the birth of a robust, sustainable economy within cislunar space. What is cislunar space? Well, it's the part of space that ranges from low Earth orbit out to geostationary orbit and then beyond toward the moon's surface. This cislunar economy will involve a much more interconnected paradigm for space development. For a snapshot and user guide to the players and opportunities ahead, New Space Global, a multiverse media property, has produced a report titled Cislunar Market Opportunities. To get your copy, please go to cislunar.report and use coupon code CITIZEN10 for 10% off a single user license. Thank you again to Multiverse Media for sponsoring Celestial Citizen this year. Now, back to the show. All right, so AJ, we are coming up on the end of our time. We've talked a lot about some different space headlines. We got ourselves into some hot water, always fun. And now we are going to return to our closing segment here that we did last week. I'm going to share what some chat GPT generated questions are for us to discuss, some space hypotheticals, if you will. Okay, are you ready for these? I hope so. What would happen if aliens discovered Earth but only found David Bowie's space oddity playing on repeat? I don't know. I can only listen to so many things on repeat, and I don't know what alien's capacity for repetitiveness is. They'd probably be really upset and think, you know, why is this the only thing? See, I have a theory. I feel like they'd be like assuming that we're more intelligent than we are. And so they'd be like, there must be some message in this. And that's why we're being forced to listen to it over and over again. And we have to crack the code. Or maybe like alien Brit would be like traveling and that's what I would convince myself. And I'd be like, there must be something here. And then really there's not. It's just a song. I know we're past the news segment, but for those who are interested, there was a news story that said some AI picked up alien remnants or something like that. Techno signatures. Yes, techno signatures. I saw that word and I was like, we're just inventing words, but okay. Techno techno signature. I never saw that word. I'm glad you brought that back to my memory. But Well, I think it's like as opposed to like bio signatures. But yes, I saw that. It will actually be included in our Continuum newsletter this week. I've been really good at the segues, but yeah, I... uh, We didn't plan this at all. This is why you pay the big bucks as paid subscribers. Like the whole $6 a month to listen to this kind of top shelf level talent. I don't... I couldn't even get the words out. (laughs) No, but I think... Top shelf talent. I always feel weird when people ask about human interactions with non-human 
celestial sentient beings. And it's like, mm. uh, I don't know. Have y'all looked at humanity? Like mm. if, if a species is technologically advanced enough to reach earth, mm-hmm. they probably have some type of mental capacity to see that we are not great a lot of the time to a lot of our people. Yeah, they're probably like, those people have barely mastered chat GPT. Like, it's too soon, guys. It's too soon. We can't make contact with them. I always try not to think about that because I get slightly embarrassed by humanity. But moving on, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Next prompt. David Bowie's not embarrassing. No, David Bowie is probably one of the best musicians, I think we can maybe say. I don't know. There's a lot of them. But, hey, I'm a fan of Space Oddity. I'm definitely a fan I'd actually like to throw out our closing song at the end of our Celestial Citizen podcast, which is like a parody of Supersonic Rocket Ship. I'd actually like to see what the aliens would think of that. Again, talking of Deep Cut fans, I don't know how many out there have actually listened to the very end of the podcast, but check out that song at the end. It's pretty good. All right. So let's see. Another one. I mean, this is just kind of bad, ChatGPT. If space was made of jello, how would you navigate through it with a spaceship? I mean, really? I'm going to go ahead and pass on that question, and I'm not even going to dignify it with a response. My bad. I mean, do you ever find yourself sometimes getting, like, irrationally angry at ChatGPT where you're like, really? Like, come on. Like, let's let's be more mature. I've never been on it. I've never been to the website. I've never typed it in. I've only experienced it through screenshots or people sending me sent them. I started going on it to get these prompts. (laughs) Now I'm like mildly entertained. Okay. Here's another one. Would you rather travel to a distant planet with no technology or travel to a distant planet with technology, but only have access to 1990s internet speeds? No tech for sure. Unless books count as technology. I would say too. Because like, I guess in some social sciences, like the creation of the book is a technology in a very loose sense. If I could have books, I'd I'd be all right. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I thought you were totally gonna say the opposite. But I agree actually. I mean that dial tone A was very annoying. And although we got the very lovely You've Got Mail film, I still ultimately feel like that would just be so frustrating to be like perpetually stuck in that level of speed, like always kind of wanting more. I think in some ways it would be kind of freeing to be like in this no technology kind of world. But I don't know. Maybe that makes me sound like a Luddite. Like I don't know. My immediate thought was it would be useless though. Like who are you going to talk to? What are you going to do on the internet? This is how my brain works. What's the internet infrastructure? Like how fast is the speed back to earth? Can you get back to earth? Who are you going to be talking to? You're going like with a small group maybe. You could figure it out. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, true. That's also like, yeah, a really good point. Sample size is small. Okay, here. I think we maybe have time for one last one. Would you rather breathe in an oxygen-rich atmosphere on a new planet or be confined to a spacesuit for the rest of your journey? I feel like this is unclear because like, I don't know how long the journey is. I don't know what the planet is. But what would you say? Similar to the pandemic, right? Like you don't want to have to be in a mask forever, right? I think, you know, Disclaimer, you should still wear masks. Uh, but like for the rest of your like, wow, this is going a, a very sharply different direction, uh, AJ. You should still wear masks. But like you don't want to have to wear a mask all the time for the rest of your life, right? Like, yeah. You can put it on right. and off. I'm of totally course. comfortable with that. I would yeah. be totally comfortable putting a mm-hmm. spacesuit on and off, but having to wear it mm-hmm. all the time, I think that is that's a bit much. Mm-hmm. And 
Why wouldn't you yeah. want to experience an oxygen-rich atmosphere on a non-Earth planet? I would also eventually take my spacesuit off and die on another planet, and I would love it, right? Like voluntarily, <laughs> you know, just wait, what? <laughs> just let me die oh on God. another celestial body. I am ready. Oh. So I would eventually oh. take my suit off, but I wouldn't yes. want to do that all the time. Just want to circle back and say it's cool to wear masks currently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pay your six dollars to get yeah. that that from me. <laughs> You can't get that kind of tidbit anywhere else, folks. I agree with you. I'm like, why wouldn't you want to experience life on another planet, especially if we were so lucky to find another oxygen-rich environment? How rich of an oxygen environment, though? Oof, I don't know. Maybe too rich is a bad thing, right? Highly flammable. There are some pretty cool spacesuit designs that are coming down the pike. I'm thinking of some stuff Dava Newman's working on at MIT. But even all that aside, I totally agree with you. At some point... Like they talk about it. You come home from a day at work. I don't know. Does anyone still do that? Or are we all just working from home still? Not sure. But you come home and you like put on your favorite pair of sweatpants or something like that. And I kind of feel like that's how you'd feel with your spacesuit. Like at a certain point, you're like, man, I just want to get into my space sweatpants instead. And on that really highly intelligent note, we will end it here, folks. Thanks for joining us for this conversation today. And thank you, AJ, for your thoughts. This has been uh, quite wonderful. I love coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This episode of Celestial Citizen Podcast is in part sponsored by the Colorado School of Mines Space Resources Program. This first-of-its-kind interdisciplinary program offers certificate, Master of Science, and PhD degrees for professionals around the world interested in the emerging field of extraterrestrial resources. The program focuses on developing core knowledge and design practices for effective and responsible identification, extraction, and use of resources in the solar system to enhance space exploration and enable the new space economy. To learn more about the MINE Space Resources Program, educational opportunities, and research activities, check out its webpage at space.minds.edu. Thank you again to the Colorado School of Mines Space Resources Program for your sponsorship this year. And as a reminder, if you want to check out our original features, head to our website, www.continuum-hq.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at continuum.hq and Twitter at continuum underscore HQ. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And by subscribe, we mean hopefully becoming a paid subscriber. We appreciate your support so that you can stay up to date with what's going on in space. And of course, subscribe to our Continuum newsletter on Substack for curated space news content. Tune in two weeks from now to keep up to date with all the cool stuff happening up in that big, beautiful cosmos we're all floating around in. Continuum, one giant leap every other week.